All right, what's happening? What is going on? Welcome to Sports Betting Daily. How are we doing out there on a Tuesday? All right, so let's get to it. On today's show, we are going to read back some of your questions. I always say you can reach out to the show. Uh, we do have a Twitter account, even though we don't post that often, at SBD underscore POD, at SBD, uh, at SBD underscore pod. So you can find us there, send some messages there, and we will read your questions on the show. So we, we will do that today. I signed on a few days ago for the first time in a while, and there were a couple questions there. So um, I did respond to these individuals. And what I'm going to do is just sort of take the meat of every question. I'm not really going to read the whole thing. Some of them are longer than others. So we're just going to take the kind of main idea of each uh, point here. So let's start off with this. Now we're going to go in order because I've obviously kind of gone through these and have a couple notes for what to say. But um, I want to go in order so it makes sense. We're going to kind of build on these. So the first one is a very common question. And it's asking about a company who sells picks. This is probably the most common thing that I get is people reaching out asking about companies who sell picks, who give advice, who have platforms that you can use to, you know, look for, look at data and use databases and all different kinds of stuff. Right. And so people reach out and send me links and screenshots and whatever for, for these companies. And same thing here. So I'm not going to name any specific companies on today's show, right? I'm going to do my best to not name anyone individually, but, uh, I do have an over an over like a general overarching opinion on companies who do this. And look, I'm not going to be railing on these companies. I've said my piece about the ethics and that that's not going to be today's show, right? I've said what I think about these companies today is just purely why I don't think it's possible for those companies to win long term. Um, and I've talked about this a little bit before, but let's go into detail. Okay. So for this individual asking about a company, this applies to them and all companies, individuals, touts who sell picks online, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Discord, doesn't matter, right? My opinion is the same for all of these. And I don't want to say companies. That's a, that's a misrepresentation for all of these groups of individuals who are giving picks out. Sometimes they are well-oiled machines and they've got LLCs and they are companies and businesses. Sometimes it's just three or four friends who are charging money to do something like this, right? So my opinion is the same for all of these entities. It's what I call, and this is a TM, this is a uh, sports betting daily TM. I've never heard this before, but I'm calling it the paradox of winning information. Okay. Now here's what I mean by that. The paradox of winning information is if there's truly information out there that's publicly available, whether you have to pay for it or not, that's beating the market. Okay. And look, I'm not even saying this is impossible. I'm saying that maybe you do have a way of beating the market. Maybe a lot of these people on Twitter or on websites selling picks, maybe they do have a legitimate way to beat the market, okay? But here's the problem, and here's the paradox. It wouldn't take, it wouldn't take long for everyone who does this professionally to catch up. So, and we'll go into, deta- we'll go into detail on this like in a minute, but the, 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 that's the idea. So if there is winning info, the market, the people who bet into the market have no agenda. They're just looking to win. And so what will end up happening is if this information is truly good enough, if it's public, it will be found, it will be copied, and it will lose all of its power. So now let's go into detail on this, if that's maybe a little confusing. So the first thing is all sports bettors, including myself, backtrack market moves all the time. I mean, this happens every hour of every day. 
sports books are backtracking, sports bettors are backtracking, and you have to do this because you have to know both betting into the market and controlling the market like sports books do, who's bet who's making these bets. Right. And so backtracking must be done. Now it's easier for the sports books to backtrack because they can share some information. They won't share all information about sports betters, but they could share some. I'm not sure. And look, I'm not even sure if this is if this happens. Right. They may or they may not. That's not part of this whole thing. But that's that's something to take into account that could eventually happen. It may be happening now. I'm not so sure. But they they have a lot more information, even at one sports book than a sports better has on other sports betters, right? So it's easy for DraftKings to say, huh, we got a big $200,000 bet on whatever team. Let's go see what account made that, right? And then they can keep backtracking further based on that information. It's a little tougher for a sports better to do this because they don't have the same information, right? So they just have to say, okay, let's see where the market moved, who's betting into that market, a lot of times sports bettors know bookies, so that can kind of go back and forth. And look, in this community, a lot of people know each other. So these aren't generally secrets that are kept very well or very long. So backtracking, believe it or not, is a very efficient way of seeing and a very effective way of seeing who bet into this line. Who moved the line from the Packers minus four to the Packers minus six? Because that's a big fucking move. We need to know where that money came from and if that means something. Is that Billy Walter's money? Or is that just some rich billionaire, you know, from wherever in the world who likes to bet? So we have to know these things. Backtracking is very important, okay? And it's a lot easier than, than you may think. And, and some people do it better than others. I am not fantastic myself at backtracking. Now, I can do it okay but I'm not as good as some others who rely on that kind of thing. But the sports books are backtracking all the time. Okay, so that's the first thing we have to know is that betters and books are backtracking, whether it's companies or Twitter accounts releasing picks all the time. Because what will happen is if there's a Twitter account that's really, really doing a good job, and again, I'm not saying there's not, what will happen is their customers will flood the market upon the release of these picks. And if the picks are truly killing it and beating the market, people will take notice. Okay. So then what happens at this point? This is the big, then what happens? Okay. Well, both sports bettors and sports books, once they identify the company or Twitter account or individual releasing these picks, they sign up for an account. I mean, come on, they hop on the train, they get on. And seriously, I, I know I'm kind of saying that tongue, tongue in cheek, but they do. So let's, let's just say hypothetically, okay, let's just use an example throughout this explanation. Let's say there's a Twitter account that is absolutely killing it. And they're giving away winning picks consistently, you know, on, on a regular basis. What would happen is a sports book and sports betters, maybe at the same time, maybe at different times, would identify this Twitter account to be the one releasing that information based on what we just talked about. They would backtrack and say, huh, okay, what we found is this Twitter account releases picks. A lot of people bet that pick and that's what moves the market. So they've identified that. Well, what happens is, they will now sign up for an account. If it's paid for, if it's not paid for, whatever, they start following that info. Again, this is on the, under the assumption that these are real, true, legitimate winning picks. So both sports bettors and sports books now have this Twitter account on their radar. They've signed up. They're looking at every single pick this sports book gives out. Okay, so the sports books catch on. Sports bettors ca are, are catching on. And, you know, the books on their end are saying this. The books are going, holy shit, these lines, these opening lines we have are bad. We're getting destroyed by this Twitter account. 
So what do the books do? Again, they backtrack, end up in the same place we did before. So now they're looking at this Twitter account's picks. Because just like the sports bettors, folks, the sports books have no agenda either. If someone else out there is coming up with a better line, a better opening line than they are, they'll be like, okay, let's just copy it. Let's see what they're doing and copy their line. Okay, and then they're going to try and get their their programmers to come up with, with lines that are closer to this individual or this company or this Twitter account. So it is kind of a chicken and egg situation when it comes to the actual line being put out, okay? Because at this point in the process, you may say, okay, well, if everyone's going to look at this Twitter account's lines, why don't they just wait three or four hours after the opening lines are out and then put it out? And that is not possible, right? In this, in this whole example and scenario, the only way this would be happening if a Twitter account were that good to garner the attention of these bettors and books, they would have to, by definition, be giving bets out early in the process. No one giving bets out four, afters after, four hours after these lines are publicly available will win long term. So that's just a definition-based thing. If you're giving picks out that late, you're not going to win long term anyway. Right, the people who are really beating the market and and those who the books are worried about and other you know betters are worried about for their competition are the ones who are giving bets out early, hitting those bets, doing a great job staying on top of it. Like those are the real ones who are winning. And so, by definition, they have to be giving bets out early, right? So, the idea of oh, they can just wait and the sports books will have to put something up that doesn't exist. So here's what happens: the sports books will put up their opening lines, even if they're not very good, but they'll have such low limits that it won't be worth anyone's while. So after a certain amount of time, once these Twitter accounts, and this example, mind you, this isn't real, this is an example, but if this Twitter account eventually, when they eventually release that line, then the sports books will adjust their line to meet the Twitter account and raise their limits. Now, this is a drastic example, okay? This isn't under the assumption that one Twitter account is just absolutely crushing it. And as we all know, 99.99% of these Twitter accounts aren't winning. They're not doing a very good job. So this doesn't really exist. But if it did, if it did happen, this would be the real life reaction to something like that going on. But this isn't just Twitter accounts. These are paid online services. These are websites that charge. These are VIP accounts, right? So there's a lot of other things besides Twitter accounts. These are discords. These are Twitches, right, Th- that exist. And it's all the same thing. If, if, if you right now, if, if you're a 21-year-old, brand new, you're into it, and you like sports betting, and if you and your friend just happen to start some, you know, Discord channel, and you get a following and you get picks out, and you're absolutely killing it, there's no saying this can't happen to you. Right, So the sports books, myself, other bettors, there is no, well, for the winning bettors, there is no ego involved. There is no agenda except for winning money. So whoever has the good info, it's a magnet. It will be found and it will be copied. I mean, don't think for a second that picks on this show aren't listened to and followed by a lot of people. You know, I mean, that's a real thing. If you're giving good picks out, people will find it. So the end result with all this is with all these public information or with all, with all these public services, whether it's paid or not, if someone's good enough or a group or a company is good enough, well, the end result will be that that once winning information is now useless because if the book 
has the same tool that gives you your edge, they can take that edge away. And what was once a winning bet is not a winning bet anymore because that edge is gone. A, a, a quick example of this, just to take a quick detour for another like real life example of this happening, is when baseball changed, when the MLB changed the baseballs. Do you all remember this? It was several years ago, and they changed the baseballs without telling anybody. And baseball started flying out of the park, and it was after the dead ball era. And they didn't say anything. And so what happened was those who had the access to the data caught on very quickly and just randomly started betting every game over. Not randomly, but systematically started betting every game over. And they killed it, right? They killed it, killed it, killed it. But here's what happened is once the books cut up to this phenomenon that there was more scoring, they simply adjusted the lines. Therefore, there was no angle to bet into anymore. So all those people who won money betting the overs had no overs to bet anymore because the market caught up, right? So it's hard to win in sports betting because once something's out there and once there's really a piece of information that gives you an edge, these books want to know what that edge is and they want to catch up to that. And this applies to everyone. This applies to pros. This applies to, to me. This applies to Billy Walters, right? Less so for the people like me because I don't have a million dollars in betting with the, you know, into the market. But how the books know, or let's put it like this way. Once the books know how you do what you do, you're done. You're, you have to retire. It's the secret that the professionals keep very close that they don't tell anyone. You know, I mean, on this show, there's a reason why we don't go into detail about exactly how I do what I do is because I'll give the picks away, but how I get to the picks is, is the real important stuff, right? So let's get back to the point. The point is no public system will ever be worth it because there's only one of two outcomes. Outcome one is these public systems really aren't giving good winning picks, like true winning picks, and you're wasting your money. Heck, even if it's 10 or 20 bucks a month, that's 10 or 20 bucks you could be making your own bets with, right? And number two is if they are legitimately giving winning picks, due to how the market acts and more importantly reacts, those picks won't be good for very long. So it is a paradox of winning information. If you sell picks or if you just get picks away or information away, and those picks are good enough to win, you won't be able to last long enough to make it worth it. Okay, this goes for the smallest channels or the biggest companies. So you may be asking yourself, okay, what about this podcast? You get picks out. Does this mean these picks are, are, are worthless? Absolutely not. No, because this isn't the same thing that's going on. Like I just said earlier, the only way that a service or company or anything like that, Twitter account, will win consistently is by giving early picks, consistent picks, beating the market. What we're doing on this show is way different than that. We are giving small volume, about six or seven picks a week, and we find small edge bets where the market's slightly off, where other pros are seeing one thing and we're seeing something slightly different. An example is last week, I gave under 50 for Buffalo and Dallas. I gave it on uh, Thursday, right? Well, that's because I thought the line should have been a lot closer to 49. It wasn't off by that much. I thought it should have been 49. It was 50. We, we bet the under. Well, fast forward to game day, the over-under was 49, and the value was gone. But we've done enough to understand that you have to bet early when you get these picks out, so hopefully everyone got the 50. But the point is, when we gave that, that was widely available. 50 was available for another day or two. We saw the value. We gave that value. And let's look at it this way. Sportsbooks will never, ever kick you out for doing the kind of bets that we do, right? We 
small volume, little edges here or there. Sportsbooks are actually fine with that. But that's not what it takes to win enough to to get the magnifying glass put on you, right? Sportsbooks don't care if you break even or lose a little bit here or there, even win short-term a decent amount of money. What they care about is if they identify you to be a long-term winner, then you're going to get real attention. So what happens is if you bet six, seven, 10 games a week and you got a small edge, we're going on the show, what are we, 54, 55%, something like that? That's perfect. That's what we want. We're flying under the radar. We're winning bets. We're going to keep winning bets. That's exactly what we want. What sportsbooks don't like is when you start doing things like arbitraging and hedging and middling on the same site. I mean, I've had to deal with this with very prominent sports books. And again, I said I wasn't going to name companies today that goes for this too, but I'll tell you a story about this. This happened to me before. I got kicked out of a sports book. Well, kicked out is, is not what happened. They lowered my limits so drastically to where it wasn't worth it for me to bet with them anymore. Okay. And this is a very popular company. You see their commercials every day. Okay. But either way, what happened was I got a little loose. At the end of the day, I do blame myself, okay? Because this was a League One soccer game. That's one of the lower levels in England. No one's betting on that. No one's watching it. And here's what happened. Is when you're going to arbitrage something, that means you're betting both sides of the game, guaranteeing a win. Well, I, I, I made a bet pregame, okay? On the underdog money line. They were like plus 500 and I love that bet. Okay. So I made a big bet on the underdog plus 500 money line. Well, in the second half, that team was up like three to nothing or something like that. And so I ended up betting the other team plus one and a half at like plus 250 and the game ended three, two or four, three. So I, the point is I won both bets and they didn't like that at all. And so they canceled my account. It was this whole thing, right? To where I had to contact them and they lowered my limits. But the point was, the point of the whole story is I messed up because I could have easily made that second bet on a different sports book. And it's so much easier to keep betting if you can stay under the radar. And one way to not stay under the radar is to be making bets like that on League One Soccer where you're betting both sides of the same game. And you may think, well, that seems like not that big of a deal. You know, first of all, I had done it a couple times, right? I didn't realize I'd get, you know, punished like that over it. And the second thing is it was for a good amount of money over a game that they thought I was taking advantage of them on, right? Because they were a little slow to move it. I was watching the game. I was even streaming the game and they were slow with information that way. So they felt that I was taking advantage of their slow moves. They felt that I took advantage by betting both sides of the same game. And they had all kinds of reasons why they justified lowering my limits, okay? So the point of this is, they're going to notice these things, right? Sportsbooks account for this and that's how you get banned. So if you're, if, in my opinion, even though I've never signed up for one of these services, you know, whether it's Twitter or a company, in my opinion, or what I would assume, not in my opinion, but what my assumption would be is that that's how they're operating. I would assume there's great communication. They're giving early picks. They're giving often, you know, it's, you're, you're getting real line beaters consistently early, that's what I would assume these good services, the few and far between that exist out there that are good, are doing, right? So you see how this kind of all folds into itself. And really, it all boils down to the idea of the paradox of winning info, that no matter who has it, it will be found, it will be copied if it is true winning info. 
So overall, I don't think buying picks is worth it for anyone for those reasons. And I've got nothing against the people or companies who do that. I want to repeat that. I'm not railing on them. I think that it is actually possible. I think there's probably plenty of people out there who can beat the market who are giving information out. I don't think it's very common, but I'm sure it's it happens. And I've got nothing about these, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong. I've got nothing against these people or companies who do this. I just think it's simply not possible based on how things work. All right, let me have a quick drink here. All right. All right, this next one, this next one ties in perfectly. Like I said, these are going to go uh, in order here. Uh, Tyler, love the pod. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Said I was going to be reading those parts. Uh, have you ever been asked to sell picks? That's that's the meat of this question. Have I ever been asked to sell picks? Again, great follow-up to the... And these are different people, by the way, but this is a great follow-up to what we just talked about. I actually have. I've been asked uh, to sell picks. I'll give an example here. I'll pull up the actual tweet. As I said, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but I will pull up some tweets here. Um, but I'm, I don't know if you actually knew this. I've, I've mentioned it a couple times in the podcast, but uh, I actually... St- tried to sell picks for like a month or two when I first started doing this, right? I thought that that was a natural progression. I thought that that was something I could do for extra income because I had these great picks that were going to be winning picks and I thought I could sell them. So I actually tried this myself for just a very short amount of time. I did it with a buddy of mine. We kind of got together and I realized after about what? It probably took about a month or so to realize that, oh shit, you can't win this way. Like you can't, as, as, as much as I wanted to make it work, I realized that that's not how winning in sports betting works, right? It, it doesn't work that winning in sports betting, true winning over the long run is about grinding out small plus EV bets over and over and over. It's not a get rich quick scheme. And at the end of the day, there just are no shortcuts. And that's what I learned. And as I've said before, I don't think that you win in sports betting long term by making a couple bets and just watching the games. It is a constant hands-on process. So I contemplated when I was doing this again, when I wanted to sell picks and when I started doing this is I was like, okay, what if we can text people, right? Like make this live bet. What if we text them updates? And I tried hard to do it, but but I walked away saying this is impossible, right? And kind of like we just talked about, that was my realization back then as it is now it, 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 it can't really be done for what people's expectation are when they're paying 30, 50, 100 bucks a month for picks, right? It is about people's expectations too. So anyway, I have tried that before. I tried it myself. I didn't do it very long because I saw how kind of naturally scammy, or at least that's how it felt to me, okay? Whatever. I mean, other people can have different opinions, but it felt a little bit like that to me because Look, once I realized that and I'm going, this isn't how I win. Why would I just give picks away and and charge people because they happen to be plus EV picks? It didn't feel right to me. So that was my experience. But I have been asked. So let's pull this up. I was pulling Twitter up when I was talking there. All right. So um, this one, again, I'm not going to name the Twitter account. Uh, Hey, Ty, I just wanted to. So again, I'm going to read this uh, verbatim except for their name. Hey, Ty, I just wanted to reach out and introduce ourselves blank. You know, we are blank. We are very new to Twitter and wanting to show the Twitter community a transparent look at our sports wagering skills. I was hoping we could show you a week of our picks, of course for free, with no strings attached, and hopes you will join our wagering family long term. We can send you our picks via DM, email or text and you can send them back the same. I'd love to help with any questions you may have. We look forward to hearing from you. 
and then their name. So this was a Twitter account. And so I actually didn't ever respond to them. And it didn't really, I, I, I kind of forgot about this until I was looking at stuff for today's show. And so I was just interested, right? And I go, huh, I wonder what they're doing today. Like, how have they been doing? How were those picks? How was this little thing they were putting together? And their last tweet was September, 2022, right? So unfortunately, you know, they didn't last um, that long. And it, you know, you know what probably happened though? They probably started an account over again. They probably didn't get any traction, probably gave away some losers and started a different account. Maybe not. Maybe they just found other interests and other hobbies, but I'm not sure, right? So it just generally goes like that. And I mean, I would be mortified if I ever put my name to something like that. But yes, I have been asked, and that's generally how it goes, right? To join these groups. And that's just an example. There's other examples I've been asked several times, and that's usually how it goes. I don't respond usually, but that's how it goes. Now, this one's interesting, okay? This one, I did a little bit of deep, well, not real deep dive. I spent about five minutes on it, but it was interesting to see what happened here. So this one, I got a DM saying, hey, Tyler, how is your sports betting going lately? And then they sent me a long message that said, welcome to, and then there's a website, the gold standard in sports investing. We turn reckless gamblers into disciplined sports investors using strict money management systems. Our team uses software simulation alongside analytical data and line movements to locate best singles on individual games, which, you know, what's funny about this. You can sort of tell if things are weird just based on what they say. Like, I look, they probably didn't know at this point in the process. I was a pro, a pro sports better, but like when you say things like our team uses software simulation alongside analytical data, like what is analytical data? You know, I, data itself, you know, can't really what we do with data is analytical data is just data so <laughs> look i'm not i don't think this is really nitpicking either this is just silly they're just throwing kind of like key words out here and jumbling them and stringing it together into a sentence but um anyway it continues to say we'd be happy to take your profits to the next level as we prepare for this week's action don't miss our premium winners so premium winners of course uh, members are reporting a substantial secondary income following our system plays. You can find more info at blank, their website. Okay, here's the weird thing. I went to their website and it said not secure. And then it had a bunch of like Chinese on the website. Now I'm not saying this is a Chinese website. I don't know what's going on with that. I'm just saying that was my experience with it. I clicked on it and it said not secure in big letters and it had a bunch of Chinese under it. So that's the first thing, Okay. But the second thing is I went to the Twitter account that this was linked to and they haven't bet or they haven't tweeted since, well, they retweeted something on March 17th. And then their last tweet before that was November, 2022. So again, late last year, but that was a repost. Okay. And I noticed they were reposting like over and over and over a company that's still, or a, a Twitter account that's still around today. And I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, uh, but they are still around tweeting several times a day, it seems, uh, even today. And so I wonder, like, did these companies have a connection? Did they just drop what they were doing with this other one and pick it up here? It's all just so weird, right? This is all very shady. And the fact that one old company had the Chinese website and they were retweeting this company that now has a website predictive data for a better edge. And by the way, this is not better edge or sponsor. 
uh, predictive data research platform for sports bettors, powerful sports betting software and research assistance tools empowering sports bettors to make more accurate selections. This is a company that's asking for your money today. They exist right now. It's a one month pass for 30 bucks and a one year pass for $200. This is, again, the, the company who used to exist or the, at least a Twitter account that used to exist with, that was linked to the, the website that said not secure with the Chinese, right? Le- they were retweeting this company over and over. And they're still out there today. So it's just weird. It's so weird what's going on. But to answer the question, back to the actual question, yes, I've been asked. No, I have not said yes outside of the time I tried to do it, which didn't last very long because I realized what was going on. So, all right, finally here, let's wrap things up after this one. Uh, this is a little bit more on the nose uh, with uh, handicapping. Uh, hi, Tyler. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you mentioned adjusting on a sliding scale for things like weather. How would I go about starting to make a scale that I can use myself? So this is a very in-depth question. Um, Great question, by the way. And just to recap, in case everyone missed that show, this was a while ago, the sliding. I'm pretty sure I talked about Maybe we can do that again soon. But the idea is for trends or not trends, for, for like angles and things that you can quantify, almost everything that you can find in a game handicap is slidable, right? At least it matters. So... If you oh, oh weather's a great example. So if if weather is a factor that matters in a game, that means ab- amongst the data it will slide. And it does. When weather is this applies in real life, right? When weather is sixty to seventy degrees, it's gonna be very average conditions, you get very normal scoring. But the hotter or colder weather gets, it starts to do things to the scoring, right? So that's called a sliding scale of a factor that matters. Most factors that matter will slide. Okay, uh, altitude or different ballparks. Will this ballpark hold the ball? Right, it was that matters because it's a sliding scale. The higher the altitude, the farther the further the ball travels. Okay, so in general, that's the what they're talking about here. I would assume, right, is a sliding scale for things like weather, like they referenced. Uh, how would they or how would you all go about to do that yourself? Okay, well, like I mentioned about ten minutes ago in the earlier question. Most pros like myself, look, we all want to keep these things secret. Okay. So if I got on here and say, here's exactly how you do it, I would quickly lose my edge and I don't want to do that. So I don't talk about that on here, but I will tell you where to start. I will give you a good, a good starting spot and a starting point for everyone out there. Okay. Now this is going to be broad data points, but this is how it's done. The first thing you want to do is to gather a lot of data. Okay, you want to gather so much data. You want to gather as much historical data as you can. Let's use weather for an example. Okay, If you're looking at betting the NFL and you want to come up with your own scale for what weather means, the first thing you would do is find as much data you could on the NFL. Now, I myself, when I do this, I have to pay for this. I have to pay a decent amount of money to get NFL stats going back 20 years or so. Okay, So that's how I get this. I have to pay for the data. Um, so you want to get this data and you want to start just sifting through and analyzing the data. And then based on analyzing that data, you want to make assumptions. Okay. So that's really what you do. Now there's a lot that goes into that, but that's what you do. You gather data, you analyze that data and you make assumptions based on that. And so what you may find after looking back for all these games in the NFL for the last 20 years or so is, wow, this is really interesting. And it's a real thing. We'll talk about a real thing that is, that exists that, that, you know, I'm not sure if you can bet on it because the sports books know this as well, but this is a real thing. NFL games and weather 
are pretty consistent to a certain degree. But once it goes down to scoring doesn't really change, right? Until it goes down to the 20s and 30s, at least from the cold side of the scale. Once you get games that are 24, 25, 26 degrees, even a little high, 27, 28, you do see a drop in scoring. It's not huge, but it's noticeable. But then there's a gigantic drop off from the 10s to 20s. So with the data, let's say, you know, in our example, what you could do from, from the NFL games is actually simple. You could just separate games based on 10 degree increments. So you say, okay, all the NFL games played from 2000 to 2023, let's just group them. All the games that were zero to 10 degrees, all the games that were 10 to 20 degrees, all the games that were 20 to 30 and so on, right? So you could just group these games and you could look at scoring based on those groups. And what you'll notice if you actually do this is that yes, 20 to 30s affect the scoring, but once you get down to in between 10 and 20 degrees, whew, you see a big, big drop off, right? So that's that's how this is done. Now that's the very easy, simplified version of how this is done, but that's how it's done. You gather a lot of data and we can see things that matter and see things that don't. You know, it's funny, like I know as a lot of you know, I'm a data scientist, so I love data. I love the math and the whole process behind this. But, you know, every data scientist you you talk to will tell you that data science is really just about truth telling and storytelling. And it's about getting down to the facts and getting rid of the narratives. So that's what this does. And that's what something like a sliding scale would allow you to do. But if you want to make your own sliding scale, that's where I would start. Gather data, find some way to analyze that data, and make assumptions based on that, that analyzation. So, all right, that does it for today's show. Appreciate you listening. Uh, good luck going on whatever you have going on today or tonight. It's been a long day. I just had some coffee, too. I was sipping coffee during that. But, uh, yeah, cash some winners. Hope you have a good day. We'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Betting Daily.